I'm a ranger, a new Belgian beer ranger. You can't see my uniform because we're on the radio, but you can bet I'm wearing it with pride. Wandering the land from coast to coast, bringing good beer to the masses, while well, I can develop quite a thirst. Now we've crafted a beer with Simcoe, Chinook, and Cascade hops. The Ranger IPA. So bold and refreshing it can satisfy a ranger's thirst. Try a new Ranger IPA and then head online to get in uniform at newbelgium.com. Employee owned, alternatively empowered, New Belgium Brewing. Follow your folly. Ours is beer. We got rangers in position Cause we got a great mission For yourself and IPA Sit back and just listen Turbine spinning with recycled energy Low water use cause waste is the With additional support from Kuat Racks and Patagonia This is The Shorts And you're listening to The Dirtbag Diaries to the sun playing brilliantly on the granite mountains. Purples, blues, and reds seemed to dance with the strong greens and yellows of the trees as reluctantly my cousin Claire and I wriggle free of the relative warmth of our tent. The crisp air of late September at Rock Creek Lake forces us into motion quickly. Hi. It was the only word we needed to exchange and we were off to the local bait shop. According to family tradition, cheddar pear pie from this particular bait shop is the only way to be truly prepared for a day in the Sierras. The taste of the pie lingered on our lips, so Claire and I drove to Red's Meadows, parked the car, and began hiking a small section of the John Muir Trail leading to Devil's Postpile. It was a spectacular day, so we took our time, snapped photos of the tiny purple flowers that bloom in the meadows, We made dust tornadoes with our shoes and challenged ourselves to sing the mellowest ever version of the Ramones, I Want to Be Sedated. As we do this, a wheezing old man approached us. I'd never seen him before, but the way he studied my limp, it's familiar. He looked me in the eye and encouragingly said, You're nearly there. He transferred his physical pain to the pain he imagines for me. His wife, a few feet behind, groaned and corrected him. You've got a ways to go, ladies. Her voice mixed concern and severity. Claire's face looked mildly defensive as I giggle and thank the couple mid-stride. I look down at my feet and arms swinging freely and think of my childhood photo album. I call it the book of how the hell did she get there? It contains pictures of a tiny redhead leaning as far over the precipice of Half Dome as her crutches will allow, casting a fishing line along the south shore of Convict Lake in full leg casts, and an awkward adolescent grinning in front of Devil's Postpile, carelessly reclined in a racing red wheelchair. In every picture, I hadn't gotten to those places under my own power. A ridiculously encouraging army of friends and family had pushed, pulled, or carried me to those sites so that I could enjoy them. I hadn't even been to Devil's Postpile since my mom pushed me. Growing up, I was glued to the TV every time a documentary about adventure racing aired. I spent hours devouring Ranger Rick magazines, 
I even stole my brother's Boy Scout manual to learn how to light fires for when I grew up to be a hobo riding the rails across country. I was actually encouraged by adventurous friends and families to try almost anything once. When I was five or six, my father put me on his lap and let me drive off-road. By the age of nine, he allowed me to drive his prized Ford Bronco, a car this man loved almost as much as he loved his children. Well, he let me drive it alone along deserted dirt roads with him in the passenger seat. I was in complete control. It was amazing. I also probably couldn't walk more than about 20 feet at a time then. See, I was diagnosed with a severe case of arthritis at the age of about 18 months. I spent my childhood on crutches, on walkers, and in wheelchairs, and all of junior high and high school in an oh-so-cool medical beige granny scooter that had the word triumph emblazoned across the front in a screaming shade of magenta. People called it the Night Rider. By the age of 20, I'd had as many surgeries as birthdays and been in hospitals for a cumulative total of three years. I basically went to medical appointments after school instead of extracurricular activities. As a kid, my body and mind were definitely not in alignment. At the time, though, I didn't notice, so it really didn't bother me. I was mostly happy. I had great friends and great family, and I spent my free time with my nose buried in a novel or a sketchbook, either reading about or imagining my own great adventures. But the constant attention of protective doctors and adults, the order and instruction built into a life with a disability, it bummed me out. I have an independent, pig-headed streak in me that's about 10 miles wide, and growing up as I did, I didn't get a lot of the freedom and alone time that I craved. People were always afraid for me. Strangers would see me reaching awkwardly for things and they'd swoop in and hand them to me. Frequently, they'd tell me to be careful. Doctors told me that mild carnival rides would be at the very least painful and at worst could even injure me. On a trip to Disneyland, I made a point of starting with Space Mountain to test the theory. It's still one of my favorites. Even the people closest to me sometimes would make assumptions and exclude me from things they thought I might not be able to do. My sixth grade class went to the local mountains for a week of outdoor education, and I was left behind because the school principal deemed it too dangerous. I probably actually worried a lot less than other kids because everybody else seemed to do it for me. Honestly, I can only remember one instance of true fear. I was 14 and had been in the hospital for five months. I'd drawn a large red star on September 20th on my calendar. I'd had both knees and both hips replaced and hadn't stood on my own for over a year. All the therapists had given up on me. The doctors and nurses, too. None of them thought I would walk again. But I'd just been waiting. 
See, my doctor had given me an offhand estimate of how long it takes to heal before each joint can support your full body weight, and I'd basically decided to wait that long. For weeks, the hospital staff, they'd been trying bribes and bullying and guilt and, like, anything they could think of to get me to walk, but I wouldn't budge. And then it was that day, the one I'd marked in red, the day I'd reserved for walking. Panic consumed me. I didn't fear pain or failure. I was blindsided by this weird earthquake of the possible, of a merger between the adventurous person in my head and my actual body. Before that moment, I'd never really even allowed myself to realize the split. The the intensity of the fear, it really shook me to the core. But there I was, teetering on the edge of the bed. The distance between my hips and feet on the ground seemed to stretch for miles. I'm here, I thought. I hadn't believed the day would come. The day I'd promised myself to do the best I could to walk. Shifting my body weight forward to my feet in that moment, I felt oddly weightless. A free fall. Grabbing a hold of the walker in front of me, I lifted my left leg and shifted it forward. My leg probably only went forward just a few inches, but I took eight steps that day. Each step was an ultra marathon. Questions were flooding my mind. Did I attain the freedom I'd never quite realized I'd dreamed of? Freedom from the watchful, probing interventions of medicine? Freedom for my parents to no longer have to push or carry me to the beautiful places that were so important to our family? Could I grow into the adventurer I already was in my head? Each wobbly step seemed to answer a calm, tiny, reassuring yes. steps the next day. The next year, I'd retired the walker and used crutches around the house. Obviously, my recovery was neither fast nor complete, but every year, I went just a little bit further. I left the crutches and granny scooter night rider behind completely by the time I was partway through college. Over the decade and a half since the surgeries, I've managed to merge my mind and body into one without even really realizing it. I've become the person that drives 900 miles by myself from Los Angeles to Las Vegas, New Mexico on a whim to research a family legend. The person my friends call when they want to make a raft out of their porch and float down the Russian River to see the jazz festival. Or simply the person who pokes around in the Sierras with my cousin. Somehow, I've become the person who says, why not? The fear of the possible I felt when I was 14, I don't think it'll ever fully leave me. But now, I think I understand it better. The capacity for adventure isn't something that doctors grant you, or a point of physical normalcy. It's something within every person, in every moment. And I realize it's maybe not fear, but an awareness of the breathtaking limitlessness of possibility and my own responsibility to seek it out. For me, it's when I'm outdoors in the most inaccessible places, doing the most ridiculous things, that I feel the least disabled. There, in the mountains, I am that adventurer that I dreamed of becoming. I 
name is Christine McMahon, and this is my short. Christine lives in Los Angeles, California. She's planning on visiting Denali this year. To get there, she's only going to take trains and ferries. That sounds like quite a creative trek. We love reading your adventure-inspired shorts. Seriously, if you have a story, write it up and send it in to us at dirtbagdiaries at earthlink.net. Music today by The Shedding, David Arkenstone, and Locke Lamond. You can download the tracks and find out more about the artists at our website, dirtbagdiaries.com. Support for the shorts comes from New Belgium Brewing. Check out the Mighty Arrow Pale Ale tab on their Facebook page. You should friend them along the way. New Belgium has partnered with Outside Magazine to raise money for the Humane Society. Every photo or video you upload of man's best friend, that's right, your dog, raises money for the Humane Society. Plus, you'll be in the running for prizes. Check them out on Facebook, New Belgium Brewing. Support also comes from Kuat Racks. They love to give away free racks, so be sure to friend them on Facebook as well while you're there. Additional support comes from Patagonia. I'm Fitzko Hall, and you've been listening to The Dirtbag Diaries. Watch the skin around.